Hello, everybody. This is the podcast, Everything About Hockey. If you don't like hockey, you won't like this podcast. For today's topic is the WHA, the World Hockey Association. The World Hockey Association was a professional ice hockey league that was in operation from 1972 to 1979. In January 1971, Dennis Murphy and his co-founder, Gary L. Davidson, had an idea to form another professional hockey league. So in August 1971, they got together with a group of potential franchise owners to give to actually figure out exactly where these franchises should be located. In November 1971, they invited 10 potential franchises to the hotel in New York City, the American. The 10 uh, franchise owners were located from Calgary, Chicago, Dayton, Ohio, Edmonton, Los Angeles, Miami, New York City, St. Paul, Minnesota, San Francisco, and Winnipeg. And also, in November the 23rd of that year, three more potential franchises were also being discussed. One was in Tampa Bay, another was in the province of Ontario, another one was uh, in Boston, which was the New England franchise. Then right after that, a group in Quebec City bought the San Francisco franchise and moved it to Quebec City. And also in March 72, the Dayton, Ohio franchise was transferred to Houston. In August 1972, they had already had 300 players under contract in the WHA. And 67 of those players had jumped from the NHL to play in the WHA. So the WHA then formed their new league with two divisions, an Eastern and a Western Conference, when they broke training camp in September 1972. The Eastern Division was the Cleveland Crusaders. In Boston, they had the New England Whalers, the New York Raiders, the Ottawa Nationals, the Philadelphia Blazers, and the Quebec Nordiques. In the West, they had the Alberta Oilers, which was Edmonton, Chicago Cougars, Houston Arrows, the L.A. Sharks, the Minnesota Fighting Saints, the Winnipeg Jets. That was the Western Conference. So they had a total of 12 teams playing in this new WHA. And let's look at the, uh, the arenas they were playing in and what their average attendance was for the 1972-73 season. The Alberta Oilers, the Edmonton team, played in the Edmonton Gardens. The average, the capacity of attendance was 5,200 people. They averaged 3,848 people. Chicago, they, they played in the International Amphitheater. That was a 9,000-seat arena. They averaged 4,589 people. Cleveland averaged 5,287 people when they played in the Cleveland Arena, which held 9,500 people. Houston averaged 4,000 616 people, and they actually played in the Sam Houston Coliseum. Total attendance was 9,300 people they could fit in there. The L.A., they averaged 5,982 people that year, and they played in the L.A. Sports Arena, which had a capacity of 14,700 people. Minnesota, St. Paul, Minnesota, they played in the St. Paul Amphitheater, that had a capacity of 8,000 people. They averaged 5,855 people. In Boston, the New England Whalers, they averaged 6,980 people. 
They played in the Boston Gardens, which their total capacity was 14,994 people. The New York team, they played in Madison Square Gardens. Their total capacity was 17,250 people, and they averaged 5,868 people. Ottawa, they averaged 3,266 people, and they played in the Ottawa Civic Center, which had a total capacity of 9,300 people. Philadelphia, they averaged 4,325 people, and they played in the Philadelphia Civic Center, which, which could have a total capacity of 9,000 people. In Quebec, they played in the Quebec Coliseum at a total capacity of 10,000 people. They averaged 6,933 people. So they played in some pretty impressive uh, arenas their first year. Didn't average as great as what you'd hope they'd average, but it was a fundamental start. It was a good base. They had some solid cities and some real nice arenas to go to. And in August 1973, the Boston New England Patriots, they won the East. And the Winnipeg Jets, they won the West. And in May of 1973, the Boston New England Patriots, they won their first championship in the WHA. And in 1973, also the league added two more members to make a 14-team league. They had a team in Indianapolis, the Indianapolis Racers. They put them in the East. And then they also added a team in Phoenix, Arizona, the Phoenix Roadrunners. They put them in the West. In October 1973, they already started having teams move around. The New York franchise that played in Madison Square Gardens decided to uh, relocate to New Jersey, play in New York, New Jersey, and become the New Jersey Knights. April that same year, 1974, the L.A. Sharks franchise transferred to Detroit. In May of that year, 1974, the Houston Arrows won their first championship. In October 1974, they decided to uh, have a new season open up, and they had uh, three teams open up with whole new arenas. Cleveland got a new arena. Edmonton got a new arena. Indianapolis got a new arena. And Boston, New England, they decided to move their franchise to Hartford, Connecticut and become the New England uh, Whalers playing and playing in the uh, play their home games the new Hartford Civic Center which cost them 30 million dollars and had a capacity of uh, 10,000 people so at this point in time in the 1975-76 season this was the biggest this league actually was they had 14 teams they had the uh, three divisions now they had a Canadian division which had the Calgary Cowboys, the Edmonton Oilers, the Quebec Nordiques, the Toronto Toros, and the Winnipeg Jets. In the Eastern Division in the U.S., they had the Cincinnati Stingers, the Cleveland Crusaders, the Indianapolis Racers, and the New England Whalers, which was in Hartford then. And in the Western Division, they had the Denver Spurs, Houston Arrows, Minnesota Fighting Saints, the Phoenix Roadrunners, and the, uh, the San Diego Mariners. In uh, November of 1975, the Houston Arrows got themselves a whole new arena, the Summit. It was construction at cost of $18.5 million. It had a seating capacity of 14,906 people. It had an underground parking garage that could hold up to 6,000 cars. On June of that uh, 1976, the Toronto franchise moved to Birmingham, Alabama and became the Birmingham Bulls. But this league was such chaotic when it comes to franchises folding up mid-season, moving around constantly. 
By the time they got to the 1977-78 season, they only had eight teams left. It was the Winnipeg Jets, the New England Whalers, which was in our Hartford, Connecticut, the Houston Arrows, the Quebec City Nordiques, Quebec Nordiques, Edmonton Oilers, the Birmingham Bulls, the Cincinnati Stingers, and the Indianapolis Racers. So with the WHA trying to capture a lack of hockey in teams in major American cities and mid-level Canadian cities, also hoping to attract the best players and paying more money than the NHL players would, which they were successful in challenging the NHL in that clause. Players with teams without any contracts with the NHL were allowed to actually play in the WHA. Remember, 67 people jumped from the NHL to the WHA the first year. But with so many financial woes, teams moving around, having to pay unbelievable amount of money for uh, player salaries, they made a discussion to uh, merge with the NHL back in 1977. They had a plan to uh, merge six WHA teams with the NHL teams. The six teams they were planning on letting in were the Edmonton Oilers, the New England Whalers, Hartford, Quebec Nordiques, Cincinnati Stingers, Houston Arrows, and the Winnipeg Jets. But that uh, proposal was shot down by the NHL Board of Governors, and it took, in 1979, they only let four teams in, the Edmonton Oilers, the Quebec Nordiques, the Winnipeg Jets, and the New England Whalers. Now let's look, look at the attendance-wise for these 10 teams. This is the average attendance for their lifetime playing in the WHA. The teams that actually were let in, the Edmonton team averaged 9,803 people average lifetime attendance. Quebec Nordique's average lifetime attendance was 8,653 people. Winnipeg Jets' average lifetime attendance was 8,050 people. And the New England Whalers' lifetime attendance in Hartford was 6,797 people. The teams they didn't, didn't let in was the Cincinnati Stingers. Their average lifetime attendance was 7,333 people. Houston Arrows' average lifetime attendance was 7,619 people. And the Indianapolis Racers' average lifetime attendance was 7,809 people. So, you know, Hartford was the, really the lowest of the whole group. And uh, the Edmonton Oilers was the highest of the whole group. So let's uh, look at a result. Because of these four teams joined the league in 1979-1980, to the present time, the Edmonton Oilers, the only franchise that actually remained in its original location since joining the league in 1979-80 season. The other three teams have either have actually moved on to new original lo new locations. The New England Whalers or the Hartford Whalers, they moved to Raleigh, North Carolina. The Quebec Nordiques, they actually moved to Denver to become the Colorado Avalanche. And the Winnipeg Jets moved to Phoenix, now as the Arizona Coyotes. They were originally the Phoenix Coyotes. Of course, uh, Winnipeg got their team back in 2011 when a, the Atlanta Thrashers relocated back to uh, Winnipeg and became the new Winnipeg Jets. So the four former WHA teams paid $6 million to become NHL teams in 1979-1980. And the remaining two leftover 
WHA teams, the NHL paid them $1.5 million. The Cincinnati Stingers and the Birmingham Bulls both were paid to uh, fold so they would no longer be, uh, exist and not a competition with the NHL. So now let's look at uh, how the NHL and the WHA contracts changed the NHL. Chicago Blackhawks icon, I think a 10-year, $2.7 million contract with the Winnipeg Jets. He also included a $1 million signing bonus, which was unheard of at the time. Now, the NHL freaked out this possibility of him getting all this money in that long of a term. So what they did was they went to court with the WHA to block the Bobby Hall contract and any contracts that would compete with the NHL because, you know, they didn't want all their players taken off. If you remember my earlier podcast, the California Golden Seals lost five of their top ten scorers to the WHA. So, you know, this was hurting Kansas City scouts. They lost several players. These were teams that were financially strapped trying to compete and they're losing players to the WHA. So the NHL decided to sue the WHA for contracts. So a district court in 1972 sided with the WHA, saying the WHA had legal rights to sign players that weren't under contract with the NHL. And that really uh, put a real damper in the WHA and the NHL relationship. It really put them in odds with each other. That's when the NHL really think they went out of their way to try to shut down the WHA because not only did they lose their 67 former players that first year, but the WHA also moved into Philadelphia, Toronto, Chicago. These were longtime NHL cities that the WHA was threatening the NHL with. So that's when the NHL really put up a legal fight and really made massive discussions on how to put out a business, the WHA. Because remember, at the same time, the NHL was dealing with a lot of, a few teams also that were in some real financial troubles at the same time. The Cleveland Barons, the Minnesota North Stars, the Atlanta Flames, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the Colorado Rockies were also in some real financial trouble at this point in time. So when the WHA was doing all this, taking players from them and moving into cities that they were considered foothold cities for the NHL, it was really causing some serious trouble. And at the end result, of course, the WHA is the one that ended up losing out because of contracts were extremely high. They only had a limited TV um, contract and several teams really were struggling at the payroll so all that moving around occurred was basically a result of the WHA not having as much of a financial base as the NHL did so the NHL actually won this one in some ways but the the legacy WHA legacy still has a major effect on the NHL what the WHA created was three tier legacy First, they drove up player salaries with that court agreement, court ruling in 1972 in Philadelphia. Really gave them the opportunity to make it so the 
players can compete with other teams to uh, be able to get the best salary. They actually created a free agent system that they didn't have before 1972. That agreement basically made them capable of having a free agency system, which they do now. And the NHL players, as you know today, look forward to when they become an unrestricted free agent, and they use that leverage on a regular basis with the NHL clubs, know they can get a little bit more money out of them, tell them that they're going to threaten to walk if they get the opportunity. Also, it gave the, uh, the NHL an opening for European talent. At this point in time, the WHA didn't have as much talent as the NHL did. So they really went out of their way to try to attract European talent and introduce the European talent to the hockey fans in North America. As a matter of fact, in September 1972, the Toronto and the Winnipeg programs, teams, they set up their first major league training camp over in Europe just to attract European talent. Toronto set up a camp in Sweden, and Winnipeg set up a camp in, in Finland just to attract talent to bring them over to help them support teams, their Western Hockey League teams. And they also did, at same time frame, they did a European challenge, which they had European teams from the Czech Republic, Russia, Finland, and Sweden come over and play a group of teams, have Western Hockey League teams in a, in a game, just to kind of get the actual feel for the actual how the European talent played, and also, I think, to attract European players to sign with the WHA, which caused a lot of top players from Finland, Sweden. And if you look at the rosters, you'll see a lot of those players end up coming to the, and decide to play in the WHA. If you look at the WHA rosters, which was kind of sad because, but unfortunately, the WHA, I think, it really had something big going on. But operating for several years, they had massive losses. They had a $50 million loss, partly because of the um, raising payroll, and more than $100 million in salaries. It was just too much for them with the operating cost. They had to do something, and the best option was to merge with the National Hockey League and let those four teams become National Hockey League teams and let the other two teams basically get bought out. But it also gave us great talent. Like Michel Goulet, he played for the uh, Birmingham Bulls. And then, of course, Mark Messier and Mark Gardner, they played for the Cincinnati Stingers. And then Wayne Gretzky, which played majority of his, fir his first and only year, the last year of the WHA, with the Edmonton Oilers. But he was playing a few games with the Indianapolis Racers. So these are some of the great young future superstars that played at the very end of the WHA and became, like I said, NHL uh, legends. You know, it's, 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 they really shaped, the WHA really shaped the form of the NHL in several ways. So, I mean, it was, it was a good league, but it just didn't have the clout that the NHL did for it to be a stay competitive for a long period of time. Well, th th thanks a lot for listening. This is everything about hockey. Thanks for listening. If you don't like hockey, you won't like this podcast.